You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Folks, let's take a moment to just reflect Mourn the fact that Jesperi Kotkaniemi is now the worst player to ever suit up for the Montreal Canadiens organization. Two weeks ago, he was so promising, but now he's like the worst player I've ever heard of. Poor guy. Yeah, he, at one point, he was better than Svechnikov. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Makes you think. It's crazy how this league changes, man. Tracking the Storm is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. With that said, let's take a quick word from DraftKings. The first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. If you bet just $1 on any football game this weekend, you'll receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any Week 1 football game. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to withdraw and deposit your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Track in the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. Alex is back with us again this week. Matt's here as always. I was always. not fired. I was not fired. We let him off the hook this time. Um, for what the third time now, I guess. Anyway, yeah, right. <laughs> Rumors uh, of my firing have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, well, can't get rid of me that easy. Anyway, we're very excited to bring you some very interesting content this week. Uh, obviously, we're going to get into the Yesberry Kakaniemi outcome with the offer sheets, and also we have a very special guest this week, former Carolina Hurricanes employee Michael Smith. So, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on here. I know it's been so long since you've done this. You're a little bit rusty and uh, kind of forgot how these things work, right? Yeah, thanks, fellas. I had trouble uh, plugging in my microphone. Go figure. So <laughs> I'll, I'll take the L on that one. <laughs> oh, that's all right. You'll figure it out. It's like riding a bicycle. It is, yeah. Um, Once you get back on, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to pick back up. Well, I hope so for the sake of our listeners. Yeah, I hope so, too. <laughs> uh, they'll be all right. Before we jump into any hockey-related questions, let's uh, talk about you a little bit first. So, first of all, congratulations on your career, I guess. I don't really know what you're supposed to say to somebody that finishes a career somewhere, but congratulations. We've had a lot of fun following you as a Carolina Hurricanes reporter. Um, So what's next for Michael Smith? Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. Uh, Hopefully you guys weren't among the 400 or so people who stop following me they've been missing out on some really they have You're really great awesome. twitter content oh yeah <laughs> i've lost now, probably <laughs> now that i've lost the blue check mark i'm, I'm unchained um <laughs> no it's it's just um you know after 10 years um you know in an industry that uh you work a lot of hours um and you do it for not a lot of income um it was just uh, the right time especially with uh, you know, my daughter was was just born six and a half weeks ago, um, or seven weeks ago, actually now, um, and um, and it was just, it was just time for the next thing. So I'm I'm now uh, 
gainfully employed in, in corporate America, um, doing a lot of the same digital content stuff, um, just, uh, for not a sports team. So that, that's kind of what it is. It's, it's, um, it's allowed me more flexibility. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, just being able to, to be with my family outside of work. Um, and for that, I'm, I'm very appreciative. Yep. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, is this your first kid? I meant to ask too. Yeah, this is my first. On that too, first time dad. Awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's been, <laughs> it was quite the the month, a couple of months ago between uh, her birth and then, uh, the the career shift. So, right. um, yeah, a lot of change and looking forward to kind of settling in and just enjoying, uh, things as a fan here. Let's jump right into the Kakaniemi stuff. Um, basic level. What's your takes on this whole situation? And and I mean as far as like. There's so many takes out there right now that are like, oh, it's just revenge. They didn't even want the guy, you know, and that they're like upset that now the Hurricanes have this player. And it's a ridiculous take, I know. But just give us your thoughts on this whole situation and what do you think the future holds for this kid here in Carolina? There's so many takes. It's like, yeah, it's uh, that's a shocking. The Internet's a shocking place. <laughs> Look, uh, you know, I think it was um, – I thought it was an incredibly savvy move uh, by the Hurricanes front office. Um, You know, here's a player who they identified as someone who could help their team. And um, it's a situation where they tried to trade for him prior to offering the offer sheet. Um, That, you know, for whatever reason, uh, you know, wasn't able to happen. So they used a tool uh, that was in the CBA to their advantage um, and were able to come at them with an offer that, um, that was successful. Uh, and, and you look at the dollar amount, 6.1 million, obviously he's not a $6.1 million player right now, but that's kind of how you have to structure an offer sheet to make it work. You can't approach it like the Montreal Canadians did a few years back with Sebastian Ajo and offer him a completely reasonable contract. You know, let's not even consider the 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 fact that a lot of it was front loaded with signing bonuses and everything. We're you know we're talking about here a billionaire being able to pay, um, you know, essentially pocket change when it comes to when it comes to a signing bonus. You can't to make an offer sheet successful. You can't come at a player with a perfectly reasonable offer. You kind of have to go above and beyond uh, what he might otherwise get on the open market um, in order to make it successful. And it's a, it's a, it's a low risk, high reward situation for the hurricanes because yes, they paid $6.1 million for this player this year. Yes. They had to give up a a first round pick and a third round pick, but they're also acquiring uh, a player who could uh, potentially slot into their top six, um, who could play maybe form an all fin line with Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen. Um, you know, maybe he's someone who, uh, once you take him away from the spotlight of, of Montreal, can shine. Maybe once you put him on wing, uh, you know, maybe he has more success there. Um, and you're doing so knowing that you've only got him under contract for a season. So if it doesn't work out, you know, oh, well, you paid $6.1 million in a couple of draft picks and it didn't work out. So what? But you kind of have to at least take that gamble and take that risk. He's he's worth a look at a, as, as, you know, a player who was a third overall pick. He's yet to play a game as a 21-year-old in the National Hockey League. This is a very young player we're talking about. Um, you kind of have to take that look and, and see if there's anything there. Um, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, great. If it works out, even better, because then you can uh, approach them and, and maybe – uh, structure a long-term contract that maybe makes more sense uh, for for what his true value is. But, you know, all in all, an, an incredibly savvy move by the Hurricanes front office, uh, really, I think, solidifying their lineup and providing them with um, a piece that, that makes their top six and top nine better. Um, it, when you look at their lineup, they're a better team today than they were before they offered uh, the offer sheet. And uh, I think that's the that's the bottom line takeaway here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think we can right away just dismiss the notion that the Hurricanes are upset that they landed this player. I mean, it's just ridiculous to anybody out there who's legitimately saying that, you know, the Hurricanes 
they they offered six point one million dollars, not to mention their first and third round pick in next year's draft, which is a very deep class uh, for a player that they had no intention of actually you know landing or a player that they didn't actually covet. I think it's just r- ridiculous to even suggest that. Um, but looking a little further ahead, um, trying to for like trying to project a little into like I'm looking to next summer here, and you know you bring Kotkaniemi in, he's team controlled. Um, they're moving him to the wing, but he projects to be a center down the road. Uh, he was playing there in Montreal. Hasn't really played the wing at all yet, so we'll see how the transition goes. But, I mean, this kid projects to be a center in the NHL and hopefully a top six player. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but what do you think this means for the future of a guy like Vincent Trocek, who, you know, he's, he's, he's nearing 30, you know, with the style of play he plays. He's undersized, but he plays very hard. It's tough to know how long a guy like that will last playing at that level, um, even with a little bit of an injury history and, Let's be honest here. I mean, the Hurricanes' history with negotiations with their unrestricted free agents hasn't exactly been, you know, pristine. I guess we could say like it, it. It's not pretty. You know what I mean? So, what do you what do you think? Do you think this is where they're going out to get a player that they know has some potential and they can maybe develop um, as a younger piece of their group, or do you, would you say this is just maybe just a move to add to their group and they like the entire group they have and it doesn't really change anything? Well, I think it certainly gives them flexibility uh, and gives them gives them options. Um, you know, whether Trocek is a player that uh, they look at, you know, bringing back into the fold next year, whether he's a player who, uh, you know, could be a piece moved at the deadline. I don't think that would be the case, given the fact that the Hurricanes in all likelihood are going to be competing for first place in the Metropolitan Division. That's not a piece that um, you would look to move out uh, at the deadline, I don't think. But it certainly gives them options. And I think I think, too, when you look at just their their overall center depth, you know, heading into this season alone um, and you've got a a forward group, 12 players, uh, and I feel like half of them could play center. Um, now obviously you have players who play that position better than other players. Like I think Jordan Martinuk, he can obviously play the center position. I like him better on the wing. Uh, and I think he probably likes playing the wing better as well. Um, but you have Steven Lorenz who can play center. You have, uh, Martin Natchez who has yet to play center in the national hockey league, but, um, you know, was drafted as a natural center. He can play center. Um, you have Kat Kaniemi. I'm I'm out of practice because I have not had to say his name out loud. <laughs> I was going to say it earlier too, man. It's, it's tougher than I realized, I guess. <laughs> I've only read it and 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 written it on Twitter, so I I think that's the first time I've said it out loud. Um, uh, you know, you have him who you can slot in. You know, if if he turns out to be um, someone who can get comfortable in that position, and perhaps it's a situation like um, you know, looking back at Elias Lindholm here in, in, in Carolina, someone who um, was a high draft pick, a natural center, probably, probably put into the lineup uh, too early in his development cycle. Um, And now you look at him in Calgary and, and, and he's a good player and he's a, he's a good center in the national hockey league. Um, Perhaps this is a situation where a change of scenery will help maybe taking some pressure off of a Met center and letting him play wing, uh, will help his developmental cycle. So I think it just gives it gives the Hurricanes flexibility heading into the future, knowing that, uh, you know, they do have uh, that contract coming up with with Vincent Trocek, who uh, had an unbelievable season last year. And he, if he can stay healthy this year, I think is poised to have another big year. Perhaps he even plays uh, with Cut. Kaniemi on his wing uh, and perhaps he even gets a look uh, for team USA. I think he should, uh, you know, if he, if he has a good start to a season, I think team USA would be, would be wise to, to, to look at him to add to their roster. But, um, but I think overall, it just gives the team more flexibility uh, and certainly more depth uh, heading into this season. Yeah, for, for sure. And I mean, I think the, the whole thing that the team set out, um, to do this off season was to get deeper because, you know, they, they looked at the guys that they had, you know, in their bottom six and on their bottom pair last year, um, like Hayden Flurry, Alex, and realized that it just wasn't going to cut it. You know, it wasn't enough to uh, get them over, you know, the, the hump that they've been in the past three years. Cause even though they've been a playoff team, that's what they've been. They haven't been a true contender and, you know, they wanted to do something that added to their group. 
makes it makes total sense. And I mean, you know, yeah. well, people and I can whine about the Canes being successful all they want, but you know, that's what it is. They're just making a successful move. Well, and it's, it's a matter of uh, taking a core that, you know, is, um, is going to be extremely competitive in this league and building around it with pieces that are going to make your overall team deeper. The Hurricanes roster today, as it stands, is deeper than it was uh, however many months ago, uh, you know, the playoffs were four months ago now, maybe. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, it, when you look up front, you know, they're deeper there. When you look on defense, especially, I think they're deeper on defense uh, sure. than they were four months ago. So it's uh, when you look at the moves they made this offseason, and they made a lot of moves this offseason, and and, you know, part of it might be interesting to see how it all comes together. Um, because when they, you know, they had that run to the Eastern Conference final um, a couple years ago, you make a, a couple of changes in the offseason uh, that, you know, ultimately didn't play out uh, in the long run. Now you make wholesale changes uh, around the lineup. And it's going to be interesting to watch it, watch how it all comes together. Uh, because the team we're going to see on opening night against the New York Islanders is going to look a lot different uh, from the team that, uh, that bowed out in game five to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You can't, uh, when you look at the, the moves the Hurricanes made last year, especially, you know, essentially just signing Jesper Faust was, uh, was their one move of the offseason. And, you know, you kind of went into the playoffs and the same result essentially happened. You lose to an elite Eastern Conference team. Uh, so in order to, to, uh, to truly make a run and, and become um, a serious contender in this league, they had to start taking some risk. And I think, you know, when you look at the moves they, they made this offseason, they took some calculated risks, uh, got deeper as a team. Uh, and now we get to see it all come together. The one thing, uh, you know, that, that obviously makes me think it will all come together is the fact that Rod Burnamore is an excellent head coach. And when you give him a, a, a given group of players, he's going to find a way to, to, to make it all work. So um, that's what gives me, uh, I think, confidence heading into this season, even knowing that that locker room looks a lot different than it did four months ago. Obviously you have a little bit more close relationship with what's going on behind the scenes. Do you think kind of what you were just talking about plays into the decision to say, let Alex Adelkovich go? I mean, can you just shed a little bit of light on maybe why that was? Cause you know, a lot of the fans were really upset when that happened. And it always just kind of gave me the sense that the Hurricanes didn't quite trust what they were seeing. Is there any truth to that? I think it was a matter of, you know, you look at his body of work and he's obviously proven himself at every level. Um, and you look at his, his body of work from, um, from this last season and it was, it was stellar. Right. Um, but in the Hurricanes' eyes, whether it's right or wrong, you know, we'll kind of find out. Uh, I think in the coming seasons, um, I don't know if they viewed him as a true one, uh, a starting goaltender. Um, and so that sort of played into the decision, you know, obviously into the contract negotiations, they didn't want to commit uh, that type of money uh, to him or term uh, if they didn't fully, you know, see him projecting uh, as a true starting goaltender. Now, you know, we can debate that, really all day long, whether that's going to be right or not, but that in their eyes is what they saw. And that sort of played into the decision of, uh, again, you know, talk about wholesale changes, complete wholesale changes in net uh, and wanting to move to this, uh, this duo of Anderson and Ranta. Um, but I, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it will be, you know, obviously Nadelkovich is going to a team that is probably going to struggle to win games. And so his, statistics might reflect that though. Then you look at Jonathan Bernier in the season he had, and he turned it into a big contract in New Jersey. So um, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but that, you know, from the hurricane standpoint, that was kind of what they felt. Um, they couldn't, uh, you know, match that, that dollar and that term with, with what they envisioned uh, Nadelkovich as. Based off like how last season ended with the, with the exit to the Tampa Bay lightning, which, you know, it, it wasn't much of a series. We were just, the Hurricanes were just outmatched. Um, so going into the off season, my checklist, um, like my to-do list for the Hurricanes, which is my own opinion, of course, but I thought they needed, I thought they needed a legitimate top six scoring forward. 
and they needed to get a little more rugged on defense. Um, so, you know, just last year, top six, Warren Fogle, top six, Jordan Martin, look, it just doesn't cut it, especially when you're playing against a team with the firepower that Tampa Bay has. And if you want to go all the way, I mean, it's just, that's just not going to cut it. So you go out and get Jesperi Kotkanemi, who, you know, he's got a lot of potential and he's great for the future of the program. But I mean, this kid scored five goals last year. So I'm not sure you can really count that as a huge upgrade, considering what I was hoping for. And then on the defensive side, I mean, you bring in Ian Coles. He's got a great history of doing exactly what you expect from him and exactly what you want from him to bring a, a bit of a more rugged presence, someone who can keep your defense honest. And even Brendan Smith in that category, even though he's probably going to be your seventh defenseman, if you need him to get in the lineup or you need someone to provide a little toughness, hey, this guy, get him in the lineup, right? But, and, you know, he'll bring something maybe that Joel Edmondson and Yanni Hockenpah couldn't. Um, but just just going off that, do you think the Hurricanes really did enough this offseason where it's going to take them from where they were last year and, and vault them into a legitimate cup contender this the, the coming season? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, if it all comes together, there's a decent chance. I mean, but there, there are just so many variables. Uh, and I think, um, you know, it starts a net with the duo of Anderson and Ranta. Is that going to be, um, you know, a duo that's, uh, that's going to be, uh, you know, steady enough to take you all the way. I, I think it can be. Um, and, and obviously the, the front office feels that way as well. I think the depth on defense, uh, is, is certainly improved. I think the depth up front is certainly improved. I mean, you mentioned a top six score and, and yeah, it's, you know, you're bringing in a kid who, who only scored five goals last year. I think obviously the hope is that, um, he can find a little bit more of, the touch that, that, that made him uh, a third overall pick. You have a guy in Nino Niederreiter too, who scored 20 goals last year. Um, and the hope is that he can uh, sort of continue that pace and not have sort of the, the down season that he had uh, a couple seasons ago. If you, if Martin HS can take another step, Andre Svechnikov can take another step. I mean, you've got a top six that, uh, that I think is, you know, looks pretty dangerous. I think, you know, Tampa, obviously, overmatched everybody in the league last year. Uh, they were just far and away the best team in the league. Um, the good news, you know, if, the, if there is good news, the way the playoffs are structured now, I mean, theoretically the hurricanes shouldn't have to see Tampa Bay until uh, at least the Eastern conference final. Uh, and I do think, you know, this year, um, this upcoming season, they would match up against them uh, a bit better because again, if you look at, uh, you know, like you mentioned the, the, the series, um, it really is, is where they were overmatched was the depth, uh, you know, Tampa's third line, Tampa's fourth line, especially um, it, it just, the players that they're able to throw over the boards uh, are players who can make a difference. And I think now when you look at the way the hurricanes lineup is constructed, being able to have Derek step on as your fourth line center, uh, I think is going to be, um, you know, uh, an improvement for the hurricanes. I think um, uh, they're, they're deeper than they were. Uh, I think they're arguably more skilled uh, than they were too. Um, and so we'll see how it all comes together. That's, that's really the ultimate thing is how does it all come together on the ice uh, when that puck drops? But I think, you know, I, I, I do think they did enough. They took a lot of risk. I mean, this was one of the, the, the busiest off seasons I can remember this team having. Um, and there are a lot of changes and, um, that's, I think they're in a position where they kind of had to do that. You, you have a, a core that, you know, um, is, is, is strong, uh, and is good. Um, uh, and now you have to, to add the complementary pieces that are going to take you to the next level. And, um, obviously the hope is that they did that and we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I want to add one thing about Kotkaniemi. Uh, it's kind of that, you know, if the Canes, do move him to the wing, which seems like pretty much the only possible option at this point. Yep. I feel like it'll be better for him and he will score a little bit more because, you know, it's a little easier to play on the perimeter. It's a little easier for, for players to score than constantly being in the middle of the ice and constantly, you know, having to be less responsibility. Yeah. Less, yeah. So I, I think as, could thrive. Yeah. Especially as someone again, who hasn't played a game as a 21 year old in this league. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be less for him to think about, especially if he's playing with, you know, smart centers, like I, I you know, I think he could play with, with really any of the top three centers, Sebastian, Vincent, Trocek, Jordan Stahl. Um, 
I I would like to see him start with with Trocek and Natchez. I think that could be a really dangerous line. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see him start with with Jordan Stahl, someone who can uh, a big man who can hold on to the puck and and open up space for him. He can put and then cut cut. Kaniemi, if I, I'll f- figure out how to say that name by the end of this episode, um, you know he's he's someone who can provide that offensive element uh, on a line with with both Stahl and Jesper Fast. Um, but I think that's that's really the you know one of the the strong suits of the Hurricanes lineup heading into this year, at least on paper, uh, is that you have a lot of interchangeable parts. Uh, we know Andrei Svechnikov can sort of move up and down the lineup, and if the Hurricanes need to get him going, they throw him on a line with Jordan Stahl. Uh, we know uh, that Nino Niederreiter, uh, you know, obviously can't has that scoring touch and, and can provide that really on on any line he's on. Uh, and so then I think, you know, I, I think Kaniemi is someone who can fit in with uh, with just about anyone um, in this lineup. Uh, and I think for him, that's going to be kind of a, a breath of fresh air, um, especially if he doesn't have to worry about all of the responsibilities that come with playing center as a young player in the national hockey league. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a point I made recently was like any, if he's on any of the three lines, he's kind of set up because either he's going to be playing with Jordan Stahl, which is just going to be a great learning experience for him as a young center, trying to get his feet wet still in the NHL, or he's going to play with one of the two, you know, super talented lines. It's probably going to be the best line he's ever played on in his career thus far. Granted, I probably shouldn't be quoted on that. Cause I don't know who his most common line mates were up in Montreal. I know he played with, Armia and Arturi Lekkinen a lot. That, that's about all I know. But well, and, and he moved, uh, from what I've read, he moved up and down the lineup a lot yeah. too and had a, a bunch of different line mates. And that can be tough too. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, if if he can get comfortable, um, you know, here obviously not having to worry about those uh, responsibilities as a center, but also maybe he gets comfortable with his fellow Finns or, um, you know, he, he finds a certain chemistry with, with Trotrek and nature. So I, I, the possibilities, I think, you know, that the possibilities that this signing opens up uh, are, are really intriguing. Cause you look at the lineup, you know, before this signing and you're like, okay, they, they kind of are missing a piece. And, and perhaps this is that piece uh, that can really, you know, take it to the next level. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that finish thing is really cool, too, because, I mean, Aho and Tara Vinan are two of the probably the best finished players on the planet right now. And it's got to be cool for a young kid from Finland to get to come in and play with them, too. So I think that might play a big role, too, and just kind of, I don't know, <laughs> get him well, excited. Well, and, you know, that they could all possibly three be on right. the Finnish national team for the Olympics. I mean, yep. certainly Aho and Tara Vinan, uh, but if Kaniemi has a big start, something about the that Kaniemi. <laughs> Something about that trips me up every good it's thing. The, I'm not it's doing the T and the K. Yeah. That's what gets. Yeah. It's anything. not, it's it not, doesn't roll off the tongue. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm just going to call him KK. There you um, go. <laughs> if uh, you know, if he has a big start to a season, he could, uh, you know, he could be a, a 12th or a 13th or 14th forward on that finish team. So I think we've talked about him enough. I'd say, you know, we, we've, we've, we've spent a good bit talking about, but I mean, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. It's a big move. But I think season, really. I really need, you know, a, as a fan, now as just like certified huge Kaniac Michael Smith here. <laughs> what has been your favorite joke about this whole thing? What's like been like the best thing you've seen that's made you like get a laugh out of the whole thing? I think it was a certain columnist north of the border. <laughs> yeah. <it's> pretty- <laughs> I don't think he intended them. Columnist have two first names. He might have two first names and transition lenses. Uh, Frosted tips in the year of our Lord, 2021. He he didn't even uh, intend it as a joke. I don't think, but unintentional humor. Um, It's just too easy. Really. (laughs) That's pretty bad. It's, it's, I mean, totally predictable too, though. Right. 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 It's yeah. Should be expected at this point, but I don't know what he said about it recently because I can't see his tweets anymore. <laughs> no, I can't. I, I I don't want to see his tweets anymore. To be honest, <laughs> I, I had my fill there. Yeah, but um, I will say that every time you know a Canadian team makes a bad move, it's really interesting seeing all of their writers and you know personalities kind of trip over themselves to try and defend the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, da- Which, it's damage control. Right, and I mean. 
your job shouldn't have to be damage control. Like if you don't work for the team, you're allowed. I feel like you should be allowed to p- criticize the team. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's hockey culture and I just don't get it. I, well, I mean, what I find funny about the entire situation is how you have, you know, Montreal fans and media making it seem like 25 year old Christian Dvorak is he's, he's just scratching the surface as a player, but I mean, it's very cocky. I mean, he just turned 21. He's played three years in the NHL. He's already a bust, you know, so <laughs> it's product. It, it just, it, it doesn't really, doesn't really even out. No, it doesn't track the, it, it and it's, um, and obviously, <laughs> you know, they, they obviously have to, uh, the Canadians that is, the media can do whatever they want, but the Canadians have to obviously take it and, and try to spin it in the best possible light. They also had to know this was a possibility, you know, going back a few years ago when they, the offer sheet at Sebastian Ajo, they had to figure that at some point, um, you know, the hurricanes would not uh, forget that. And, and now coming into the season where they find themselves in cap trouble, uh, the hurricanes made a, made a pretty savvy move. All right. So now that you don't work for the team, um, What's your take on the entire, you know, signing of Tony D'Angelo? And I don't want to put you on the spot here. And if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But just out of curiosity, as somebody that's been in your position, what's your take on the signing of Tony D'Angelo? Um, I can take a stab at it. It's totally up to you because, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's not really a positive way to spin it in my eyes. But like, yeah, I mean, there's not like it's I mean. It's. I, like I, I get from a hockey business standpoint, why the team signed him, right? Yeah. You look at his point total from two years ago and you look at what you paid for him and it makes total sense. And, and to, you know, and, and for the team, that's, that's kind of, well, I say the team for, for Tom Dundon, like that's all that, you know, that that's all that that kind of matters, but there's obviously more to the whole situation that you have to yeah. consider, um, and that's why it just is you know a, a dicey thing, right? And I mean, I think it also kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier with Rod Brendamore and yeah. thinking you can put him in his system in the locker room, and I, I don't want to say they'll fix him or something crazy like that, but like. Yeah, they think he'll act right. And I don't know, almost in some way that could almost kind of be like another feather in their cap. It's like, yeah, we got D'Angelo to act right kind of thing. and got a big season out of him potentially. And yeah. I, I don't know. The whole thing's just like we're assuming he's going to play with Jacob Slavin, right? Like he's just going to step right into the Dougie Hamilton role and kind of pick up where Dougie left off. So if, if you kind of link it like that, it's basically like, you know, the hurricane saved themselves $71 million and just kind of wiped their hands of the whole situation and said, you know, tough shit. If you like it, if you don't like it and good on you, if you do, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it's obviously been a very tough one for the fan base to swallow. And, you know, I'm sure anyone working with the team who has been following along with the situation closely, I mean, it's kind of a slap in the face, as we've all said to, you know, the tough times we've endured uh, with the team dating back to, you know, the last 10 years of them just not being very good. Um, and all the loyal fans that stuck around, this is kind of how we're repaid. So it's, it's going to be a tough one to stomach, but I mean, you always hope to make the best of a worse situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, if there's one, um, I, the thing that I try to remind myself and go back to is the fact that, you know, this, this is a locker room where, you know, he, he's going to, if, if he's going to have a chance to succeed, you know, his best chance is probably with a Rod Brennamore led locker room. Right. Um, now we can debate for days, whether he deserves that chance, but if there is a chance he has to succeed, I think it's with, um, a coach and Rod Brennamore, you know, it's, it's a total value play. And I get that from a hockey business standpoint. Um, but there's, there's just a lot else that goes into it that, that obviously, you know, makes it a, um, a heated point of discussion. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's... we'll see, we'll see how it works. I mean, inevitably he's probably going to do something stupid this year. I mean, if his track record has any indication, that's, um, 
you know, in all likelihood that's going to happen. Uh, and it'll be telling to see how he and the, the team respond to it. Now it could just be as something as simple as a stupid penalty and everybody takes those. Andrei Svechnikov regularly takes those. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see just, just how it all unfolds, because again, that's, that's one of the, the risks the team, um, you know, took this, this, this off season, one of the, yeah. probably the biggest risk. The biggest, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're definitely putting a lot of, they're really thinking the whole um, winning cures all mindset. So they think that, you know, once the puck drops, if this team is good, people maybe forget. a lot of people will forget about it. But flip side of that, man, if something happens and this team's not good, I don't, I don't really see you, that. You don't want your fan base saying, I told you so. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 And there's too much talent for them to really be that bad, I think. Yeah. But, man, hockey's a funny game. You never really because, know, right? I, right. And, like, with so much turnover on the roster, I mean, yeah. like, there's a lot of new guys, man. There's, like, eight, things nine new click. players at earlier. least. And if things don't work out, it doesn't matter really what the root of the problem is. We all know what everything is going to be directed at and what, right. what people are going to single yeah. out as the main problem. So, yeah. I mean, it's – it's it's a tough line to, to thread. Um, but I mean, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. You want to jump into some lighter stuff now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. We'll, we'll start off with a question from um, Alex. Great name, by the way. Um, handle at Future Canes. Um, so at what point of, uh, of your career with the Hurricanes, uh, did it just become abundantly apparent to you that Hayden Fleury was the best defenseman in NHL history. <laughs> I can see the reactions of your co-host right now. <laughs> hey, uh, great hey, question. The listeners want to know. <laughs> um, you know, I remember uh, whew, trying to go all the way back to the moment that he was drafted. Um, where was, I'm trying to remember where we were. Uh, was that the was, Florida draft or no? Um no, that was the year after. They're all running together for me at this point. Um, but it was probably that moment, right? When he first, you know, set foot on stage. Foot on that, Love was, at first sight type thing, eh? Yeah, exactly. No, he's a he's a great guy. Um, and uh, you know, I, I hope uh, I hope he does well um in Seattle. He's also a new dad too. He uh his wife uh Jade gave birth. Um Around the uh, same time my wife did. So we're, we're both new dads. Are you happy now, Alex, to get out of your system? Yeah, I was going to say congrats to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been on good behavior lately. Come on. <laughs> Alex Alex has to get that in at least once a, once a podcast. Um, it's understandable. Yeah. It's, we, have, we all have our little quirks. The listeners need to know. You know what I mean? We do it for the fans. All right, Matt. So, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so the the first uh, fan question that we have is uh, from at RB Morgan twenty three on Twitter. He says, "How do you see us having to sign you know, guys like Nino Trocheck and uh, Natchez? Obviously, Natchez being an RFA and the other two being UFAs right. uh, next off season." Yep, that's uh, going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, Nita Riders one where you know obviously he was left exposed. Uh, for the expansion draft. So, you know, that, that one might be, uh, you know, if there's a player of those three who, if you said, you know, who's not going to be back next year, I'd probably lean him. Um, but, you know, then again, he could go out and, you know, have another 20 goal season. And, um, you know, that's someone that the Hurricanes, uh, you know, when you look at their, um, when you look at their forward lines and their their offensive output, if he's a big contributor there, maybe a look at re-signing them. Uh, Vincent Trocek, I think is an important piece down the middle. Um, and, um, you know, depending on the season he has and, um, you know, I'd like to see him stick around uh, longer term, uh, but that'll be an interesting one as well. Martin Natchez. I mean, I think that's, that's obviously the easiest one of the bunch. He's the RFA. Um, he's going to be a, a Carolina hurricane for, for a long time. Yeah. And I mean, if you signed, Natchez to say like you know four years at let's just say let's just say he gets 20 million over the course of it or 25 even mm-hmm. that's well worth the money that you're paying for him right yeah I, I i think so i think so uh and he's um you know he's he's someone who uh could really i think take another step this year too um 
and again, and maybe, I don't know if this is the year that the team explores using him at center. He's been pretty good on the wing uh, early in his career, but uh, you know, he does, he was at least drafted as, as a natural center. So that's, that's another option down the middle. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that contract I think is um, it, it's obviously a matter of just figuring out the dollar amount and the term versus are you going to do it or not? Yeah, and, you know, going back to the whole kind of, you know, Niederreiter versus Vincent Trocek debate is in terms of importance. I mean, if you if you, if you as a group are confident with Jesperi Kotkaniemi or Martin Natchez, so even one of your prospects in the system, maybe a Ryan Suzuki or a Jack Drury, eventually being able to step into that that second line center role. I, I kind of I, I just think uh, Nino Niederreiter might be a little more important to your group as a whole, because, I mean, we're talking about a a 20 to 30 goal power winger who, you know, brings a real heaviness to his game that you don't really have throughout your lineup. I mean, you're hoping Andre Svechnikov can develop into that kind of a guy consistently, but I mean, Nino Niederreiter is other than Jordan Stahl. I mean, he's the only guy who's going into the corner and coming out with the puck every single time. I mean, I, I just, I think if he's still playing at a good level, like if he can match anything near what he was at last year, where he scored yeah. 20 goals in 56 games. I mean, I, I think he's, he's almost one of the most unreplaceable players in your group. It's, it's going to be, I mean, big seasons for them both, right. In contract seasons, what can they do to uh, sort of uh, cement their spot in the hurricanes lineup? Um, I, you know, I, I guess I could see a situation where, where they both resign uh, as well. I mean, obviously the hurricanes have the, the, uh, the cap space as it stands now to be able to do it. And it kind of depends what happens with, Kotkaniemi moving forward um but um yeah I mean it's a it's a situation where I could certainly see all three of them back um and and I think that would be um I that would be good for this this forward group if they could retain all three yeah and you know what just piggybacking off that a little more um for both Vincent Trocek and you know Niederreiter coming off the seasons that they had where I mean, especially for Trocek, you can say it was almost a career year for him. And, you know, Nieder, Niederreiter, he really bounced back after a tough year before that. Um, you know, going into their contract year, if they have another good season, to, so it would be two good seasons in a row, add that onto the resume. I mean, you're almost looking at a situation where they might be pricing themselves out of the Hurricanes' comfort zone. Yep. But then if they have a bad season, you're almost looking at it from, you know, hey, I mean, do we want to keep this guy around for the long term, uh, almost 30 years old, you know, and what, what kind of money are they going to want? So I, I think it's going to be a very tough negotiation with both. It's almost it's kind of hard to, to see either. Like for, just for me, I think it's kind of hard to see either of them sticking around for the long term, especially with the youth. And I mean, the overall strength of the prospect system, but. It remains to be seen. And I mean, listen, these guys are both very important to the group, very tough players to replace. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the dollar amount in the term. And I mean, that's how it is for every contract, but especially approaching 30. I mean, you got to be careful with these types of situations. Yeah, same thing with Sullivan Hamilton. And that's, the, yeah, like, like you were saying, like the youth thing is kind of what I was thinking about. Cause I mean, you got to see what guys like Jack Drury bring or Seth Jarvis. And, and I, I'm assuming. I don't know if Jarvis is going to end up playing down the middle, if he's going to end up playing on the wing, he could be on the same plan as Aho and Kakaniemi for that matter. Like all these guys, you know, breaking in on the wing and then moving back to center. It seems like this is just what the hurricanes like doing. Um, you know, all those things are going to factor in to your point, like Jameson Reese, there's so many guys that are going to be pushing for time in the next couple of years. So and they can all, they all have that center and wing versatility. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I love Jameson Reese as a center, but I mean, he can fit on the wing in the NHL. Seth Jarvis, I project him as a winger, but he's playing center in the WHL at times. So, I mean, it's just, they have a lot of versatility. They have a lot of options. So, I mean, committing long-term money to a guy who's almost 30 and, you know, it really depends on what kind of a season they have and where the group heads. But like you said, it's going to, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. And free agency is always a dangerous game, you know, as, as we saw this year with, I mean, obviously Dougie Hamilton, um, you know, deserves to cash in. Like that's, you know, he did the right thing, um, you know, signing that, that massive contract, but that's, that's an example of a team that has money to, to throw around like that and doesn't have to think about the long-term implications of, of that sort of contract. So um, yeah, that could also be a situation where one of those two guys need a writer or true has a big year and is kind of, you know, looking at the, the same sort of option. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Okay, so we've got something from uh, Marcus Zhang7, and it says, like it or keep it, Canes will win the Metro. Yeah, 
I like that. Um, I think, you know, when you look at the history of the Hurricanes being in the Metropolitan Division, uh, this season by far is the most, uh, they're poised, uh, they're in the best spot, I guess, uh, to win it versus, you know, every other season. You look at the competition and uh, Washington, obviously still dangerous when they have Ovechkin. Pittsburgh's still dangerous when they have Crosby and Malkin. Um, The Islanders, very sneaky, dangerous. Um, but I don't see anyone else really putting up much of a fight. Um, I think this is Carolina's division to win for sure. And kind of piggybacking off of this, because this is another question from a fan. It's kind of the same in the same vein uh, from Eric K eight says, what is your assessment of the hurricanes as they stand right now? We've kind of already talked about this and you know, where you put them in the Metro, you obviously said you like them winning the Metro this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, they're certainly uh, a playoff team. They're certainly a top three metropolitan division playoff team. It's not a year where um, at least on paper, you know, with the way the lineup projects right now, they shouldn't have to worry about fighting for a wild card spot. They should be in the top three in the metropolitan division. Um, And, um, and I think, uh, again, you know, they're built to to return to the playoffs for another year and hopefully then sort of get over the hump uh, and be able to uh, climb into that that next that upper echelon of, of teams in the National Hockey League. You know what? Moving on from just hockey a little, uh, unless you have something you want to add. No. Are you sure? Just, I, I feel like I'm cutting a, you off a lot. He's going to make a snarky comment. Yeah, you keep cutting me off. Every time I shout hey. out my mouth. No, I'm just kidding. I'm good. For good reason. No, no, you know, just, you know, moving on from just, just to talk of hockey, you know, let's talk about your time with the Hurricanes a little. Um, If you had to pick one memory from throughout your entire, throughout your entire time with the team, what was your favorite memory? Uh, The George Alves game, for sure. <laughs> uh, That was... um. That it that something like that is something you kind of just uh it's sort of it, it's something that you you think about and you're like oh well, that would be cool you know what if he were to to one day have to for some reason get in the game and it's just something you kind of theorize about and uh it's never something you actually consider you know could happen uh and then when it does happen and it happens to to such a good guy like George um and not only does it happen, but then he gets into the the game, even if it's only for seven and a half seconds. And uh, I don't even remember the, the final score from the game. I know the Hurricanes lost. Maybe it was 3-1 or something. Uh, but that was just, I mean, that moment was um, by far my favorite moment. Telling his story uh, was probably by far my favorite story to tell. Um, that was such a, a super great memory. And obviously, you know, going back to the playoffs and in 2019 after a decade of missing the playoffs, that was really cool too, but you don't see stories like George Alves that often. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a, that was a really awesome moment for the team. Cause I think it was happening in a year where, you know, there really wasn't much to cheer about either. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was a really big bright spot in a year that was for, for the most part, uh, kind of a down year. It was during the lean years. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, used to there were, there was a his, lot of them. I used to buy <laughs> sticks from George Alves back in the day. Yeah, George George is a is a wonderful human being. Uh, so for for him to be rewarded with that um, was super cool. Super the Patrick cool. Eve sticks I got off him were awesome. <laughs> <laughs> kind of st- kind of staying on the you know like little anecdote side of. Uh, what used to be your, your role is, do you have any, any like player memories of guys that, you know, might've been, I mean, obviously we know like Jordan Martin looks a great personality, right. But were there any yeah. guys that, you know, the fans maybe didn't get to see as much of that were really great, either just to talk to or funny or I think great I, personalities. I mean, and I don't know how much you guys see of this. I think we're starting to see more of it, but Spashanajo's personality is tremendous. Um, and he's, uh, an incredibly friendly individual, great to talk to, very sneaky, funny, him and Tavo Teravainen, yeah. uh, really very sneaky, funny guys. Um, but, you know, it, the Hurricanes, and uh, I'll certainly give them credit for this over the years, just bringing guys into the locker room who are 
um, who are just really good people. Uh, you know, obviously there might be a couple exceptions here and there, but, but for the most part, um, you know, assembling teams of, of people that you enjoy being around. And that's, that's important when, um, you know, obviously from a team building aspect, but also from, from my perspective and, uh, being around these guys so much, having, um, you know, their trust and, and, and their respect, uh, makes it a lot easier to do my job. And it, it, it makes it easy too, when, when they're such good, uh, people. And I know I can, um, you know, count on them to deliver whatever I needed. So, um, a lot of good people in that, in that locker room for sure. Is that all the fan questions we got? Like, I guess we've already answered a bunch of the fan questions we got. I have one more question for you, and that's pretty topical. You know, the NFL gets started this week. Yes. So how are you feeling? Obviously, you're a big Panthers fan. How are you feeling about this season? Uh, Not great. Not great. You mean to tell me you're not excited for Sam Darnold? I am not excited for Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, look, I guess he's worth a look, you know, it, it's kind of like, it's, I'm not going to compare him to Kotkaniemi, but it's, it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, you might as well see if, you know, if he's actually bad or if he was just bad because he was with the New York Jets. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, you know, you're not expecting this team, this Panthers team to be that good this year anyway. So you might as well see what you have in them. Um, and are they going to find anything? Probably not, but it'll at least be interesting. <laughs> and maybe they'll win more than five games this year. Maybe they'll go, uh, well, you can't go eight and eight anymore. So maybe they'll go eight and nine. Um <laughs> It's weird that you can't. I hate that all the usual football records are now out the window. Um, maybe they'll go seven, nine, and one or something. I, I don't know. Um, but it's not, it's going to be just a middling season, I think. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but. And hey, who knows? Maybe Sam Darnold goes the route of every player traded away from the Hurricanes from 2010 to 2018 and just absolutely torches the league. Yeah. <laughs> There were six touchdown passes against, you know, his week one opponent. Well, yeah, look, I mean, he gets to get revenge in week one. So if there's any like confidence boost that he needs, it's, it's that. And maybe that just sends him into the stratosphere and it's all good things from, from there, but that's probably wishful thinking. Oh, and then there's the flip side of that point too, right? Where if, if the New York Jets make him look bad, then (laughs) like it's it's one and done, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be uh it's going to be interesting. I met Matt rule during the playoffs though, uh, when he was in Raleigh and, um, I, I really liked chatting with him. Um, and so I hope he has success as head coach. Um, and obviously, I mean, they gave him a massive contract, so, uh, they, they must be thinking the same thing. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be, it might still be another year or two away. Well, Michael, we appreciate your time. Uh, giving us your blue check mark list takes on the Carolina Hurricanes and just kind of sharing some insight into what, you know, your role was, fun memories that you had, and just looking forward to next season. I mean, regardless, it's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting year for the Carolina Hurricanes. This team is poised to make another return to the playoffs. Uh, and that is something that, you know, a handful of years ago seemed you know, we were just hoping that it would happen, uh, but now it's certainly a reality. And, and I think this team can be poised uh, to compete for the cup. And that's that's what we all want to see. So it is indeed a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>